You're not alone. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X-Wing community. That's right, people just like you, doing what they can to get better at the game. I'm your host, Sailor Joe, and uh, we're going to do a little bit more reading than normal today. But first, let's go into our first segment. Let's build with Joe. And I have to say going into this week that uh, having a, uh, a, a son who's also enjoying X-Wing is giving me lots of fuel for this weekly segment. And this week I want to talk about a, a list that uh, he's asked me to help put together for him. Uh, and it stems back to, so last week he, uh, we... Uh, took part in a tournament where he flew his Jedi list again. And he mentioned that he wanted me to put together a list for him that had a striker in it. He wanted to fly Empire the next time we have a tournament. So this is the list that I have uh, kind of sort of tinkered with and um, come up with a little bit of net decking, a little bit of uh, um, not. But anyway, here's the list. Let me know what you think. So we start with Darth Vader and the Defender with Malice, Juke, and Heavy Laser Cannon. Pretty standard there. Then we move to Countdown on the Striker with Shield Upgrade. Iden Versio in the TIE LN TIE Fighter with Elusive and Ion Cannon. And then two Black Squadron Aces. And essentially what you have here is you have five pieces that can act independently of each other or all together, depending on how he wants to set up. Um... You have cheap objective runners, and then Darth Vader, who can come in and just be an absolute beast uh, that he is. So anyway, that's the list. Um, Aiden can help out the Black Squadron Aces if she wants. She can just help out herself if she wants. Um, Countdown's there to be a three-die gun uh, that's hard to kill. And then Darth Vader is, um, well, Darth Vader. And we already know know that. So that's the list. Let's go ahead and go into our next segment. AMG Rules Forum. And this week we're going to start with rolling the wrong number of dice. OP. Is there an official rule what to do if you accidentally roll too many or few, too few dice? My group searched the rules but couldn't find it and find it cited officially. OP. I'm sorry. Answer. There are no rules for this situation, so in a casual game, players should come to a mutual agreement on how to resolve this. In a tournament setting, the player should call a judge to help resolve the situation. Alright, next one. Tyranny White Lock. OP, is Tyranny from Hotshot Aces 2 pack supposed to have a white lock action in her action bar instead of a red lock on the other's eye pilots? Answer, Agent Tyranny's pilot card is correct. Very interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to pause and, and look real quick. One second. <laughs> 
Okay, so that was just a brief pause for you all, but a little bit of Google foo for me. So yeah, Agent Tyranny does have a white lock, which is, uh, I think, one of the first times that we've seen the... Uh, well, it's not one of the first times. Never mind. But it is interesting to see a different action bar for different pilots. So, and might go into explaining why her why she's five points over the other's eyes, which are four. All right. Anyway, next question. Iron assembler and repair one damage. OP, from the ability of the, of the iron assembler, quote, after a friendly ship at range zero to one skips its execute maneuver step, you may spend one charge. If you do, if there is an asteroid or debris cloud at range zero of it, that ship may repair one damage. End quote. What does repair one damage mean? Can I remove a face-up card with this ability or just flip it face-down? Answer. Both face-down and face-up damage cards can be repaired. If a face-up damage card is repaired, it is flipped face-down. If a face-down damage card is repaired, it is discarded. And uh, in using the Iron Assembler, that ship is just awesome. Anyway, next question. Tie RB Heavy Stifle. Starfighter Fire Arc. OP, good morning. I would like feedback about the TIE RB Heavy Rotating Cannon's ability. Using a cannon card with a standard arc, easy to understand. If you rotate the turret arc, you can shoot front or back the cannon, but I'm having problems understanding what happens with a cannon with a different arc. For now, beyond the standard arc, we have two cannons with bullseye arc, like the heavy laser cannon and proton cannons. So two questions about this. One, being that the rules speaking only about the standard arc, a cannon with a bullseye arc can, use, can be used with rotating cannon's ability to change his arc to the back, and you can't because the turret can only be used with the standard arc cannons. Two, if you can equip a cannon with a bullseye arc and use it with the rules of rotating turret to shoot front or back, the arc will be a turret arc, meaning that the standard arc or will still be a bullseye arc. Thanks. I'm literally reading these word for word, so sometimes it just happens like that. Anyway, um, answer. The TIE RB ship's ability, Rotating Cannon, states that you must treat the front arc restriction of your equipped cannon upgrade as a turret arc. If an equipped cannon does not have the front arc restriction, like Heavy Laser Cannon for example, the Rotating Cannon ship ability would not apply as it does not meet the requirements of the ability. Next question. Broken Trust and Coordinate Interaction. OP. Broken Trust Condition states, treat a friendly ship as allied, end quote. A recent ruling stated that allied ships cannot be coordinated. Does this mean that any ship with a broken trust condition is unable to coordinate allied, formerly friendly ships? Answer, correct. A ship with, broken, with the broken trust condition would not be able to coordinate its the now allied, formerly friendly ships. Next question, breaking trust in yourself. OP, 
If you are assigned broken trust, are you no longer considered friendly to yourself? Broken trust reads, treat friendly ships as allied. Non-enemy ships treat you as allied. While, perf while performing an attack before declaring the defender, each allied ship in the attack arc that is not stressed gains one stress token. After you defend or perform an attack, if the defender was dealt at least one face-up damage card or was destroyed, remove this condition. Answer. Yes. When a ship is assigned the broken trust condition, it is now no longer friendly to itself. Okay. Next question. Pinpoint tractor array in ignoring actions. OP. How does this ability exactly function? There seems to be no exact answer. Can you gain a tractor without moving the turret, either by just ignoring the action or failing it? Or is the ability base basically only usable every second turn using your bullseye arc because it fails under the paid cost even though it doesn't feel like payment? Answer. No, the cost of performing the rotate action is gaining the tractor token, and you cannot pay the cost without performing the rotate action, an action which cannot be failed, which cannot fail or be ignored. And the last question that we'll read this week, Siege of Coruscant, OP. When rolling dice for the rescue mission, can you use malice or marksmanship to change a hit to a crit? Answer, no. You cannot use malice or marksmanship during the rescue mission to change a hit result to a critical result. Both malice and marksmanship state while you perform an attack. And while you while a player rolls attack dice during rescue mission, this is not done during an attack, thus neither card comes into effect. Now before we get into our main topic, I did want to take a little foray into Kyber and Sector series and um, just kind of go over stuff. So we'll start with, with Kyber. Um, Kyber Swiss is over, and I'm sad to say that uh, Stay Classy X-Wing, my group that uh, participated, my team, went 1-4, earning a total of 3 points, uh, with a, uh, a strength of schedule of 1.20. Now, um, there's a lot of factors that, that went into that. Um, I was a captain, so um, some of the matchups I didn't pair correctly and put my teammates in a little bit of a bind. Um, others, uh, I think just, I know my teammates weren't entirely happy with their lists. I wasn't entirely happy with mine. Um, so kind of all of that com compounded together. Um, but interesting out of Kyber, um, going into the uh, win rate of the the faction win rate going into the last round of Swiss is interesting information. And so we start again with Separatists on top with 56.3% win rate, Republic at 54% win rate, Resistance at 52.6% win rate, Empire at 49.4% win rate, Scum at 49.3% win rate, Rebel at 44.9% win rate, and First Order at 43.5% win rate. Now, 
Um, as as I've said, all throughout Kyber is uh, it was an early look in the meta of early 2023. We're what six, seven weeks, six weeks into 2023 now, and the meta has quite changed in that time. Uh, well, not quite changed, but uh, there's there's been some adjustments to it. And Kyber didn't reflect that because the lists were locked. And that's okay. But it still shows you some interesting little tidbits on what factions are um, currently at the highest win rates. Which is still Separatist, Republic, and Resistance. Although I think Republic and Resistance have swapped a little bit. Separatists have remained on top through most of the Swiss weeks. So that's something to uh, to keep in mind. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that the Separatist uh, players had a better handle on what um, the meta for their their specific faction was and just had that locked down over the rest of the factions? I mean, it could mean that. It could mean that better players picked Separatists. Um it could also mean that separatists have had better matchups. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think um, the biggest thing and the biggest takeaway, at least for me personally, from this, and this is kind of the reason why I'm leaning towards separatists for worlds, is that faction win rate. Uh, they've been traditionally underrepresented and uh, or underrepresented in the tournament and overrepresented in the cut. And I think that these numbers reflect that. So anyway, that was Kyber. Now let's talk about Sector. Now Sector series, um, I've been flying pretty much a different list every week with the exception of the first week. Um, which let's just go ahead and go over um, what lists I've flown. Hold on while it loads. Okay, so um, my first two games, I flew um, Heaver's List, basically Count Sock, Count Dooku, Sock, D-I-S-T-81, Dirge with Heavy Laser Cannon, Ion Cannon, Xanadu Blood, and General Grievous with Outmaneuver, Impervium Plating, and Solus One. And uh, round one was a loss, um, but just barely. I remember it being a very close game. Um, round two, I won. Round three, I decided to try Mitch Hurst's first order list and managed to uh, get a win. Now, round three was against uh, podcast listener and patron... Um, Why am I blanking on his name? I shouldn't blank on his name. Jason Chong. And um, Jason just, he's a, a superb opponent if you ever get a chance to to play him. He was flying uh, the list that he bought, brought to LVO. And it was a close game, but I managed to, uh, to, to sneak a win in there. Um, so that, that was round three. Round four, I decided to try uh, Jeremy's list from LVO. And uh, that one was 
um, Count Dooku with all the toys, Dirge with ion cannons, Anadu button, proton bombs, and then three bombardment drones. Um, now, pretty much everyone was running bombs in this list. Um, he decided to go after the bombardment drones, which meant that I was able to punish a little bit with Dooku. Um, and I, I pulled a win out of that. Now, if you're keeping track, um, I'm, I'm positive, right? So, so that's good. Um, the, the most recent round, uh, this week got in early, um, I decided, and I decided, um, a little over a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, um, that I would, uh, try Isophane's list out from LVO. And, um, so I brought that list and, um, managed to sneak another win again. And I'm pretty sure I was playing against the Iron Man, Matt Carey. Um, not entirely sure. Um, but I think that's who, what my round five opponent was. And I did manage to get a a win there. So what is, what does all that mean? Why am I rambling on and on about this? Well, um, what it means is that I'm currently four and one sitting with the lowest SOS of all of the players. I'm currently ranked ninth. There are still two, uh, undefeated two sets of undefeated players that haven't matched up yet. So it's possible I could move up uh, a little bit. I I don't know what that means. I don't know if I make the wild card round. Um, I guess I guess we'll see. So anyway, um, I'm pretty happy about that. I've been enjoying Isophane's list. Um, so... I was joking at the last tournament that I went to with with Wesley, with uh, a lot of the guys there, is that when I went to LVO, I knew exactly what list I wanted to fly, and I only packed one list. And going into Worlds, I've got three lists in my kit right now, and that doesn't even include um, the ships that I need to pull out for Hot Shots and Aces. So (laughs) we're we're a little bit indecisive, which is normal for me. there's a couple of separatist lists, both of which that I'm um, becoming more and more comfortable with and happy to fly. Uh, I will probably uh, result to one of those, although who knows, maybe I'll throw the first order in there. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So what I wanted to do for the main topic on this episode is kind of read through the tournament, right? tournament regulations that AMG has put out. Now, I know a lot of you can read, but for those that haven't, actually gone through and and read these um i'm going to spend a little bit of time and go over them and then i might talk about each thing as as we read through um and and kind of kind of go from there and and the reason i think this is important is especially with uh coming into worlds um a lot of these are going to be applicable so um Yeah, just just that. So this, these are what the rules stay. Um, I'm going to try not to add anything or take away from it. Um, but anyway, here we go. We start with player responsibilities. Players attending 
an event are responsible for supplying their own miniatures, cards, dice, measuring tools, tokens, squad lists, and other game pieces that are required during play. Miniatures. Each player must have the miniature for each ship in their squad. Players are allowed to customize their miniatures as they like, but must follow these guidelines. And the, So these are going to be important. Number one, the miniature must be made from a majority of the parts from the Star Wars X-Wing miniature line. Two, the miniature must be easily identified as the ship it represents. Three, players may not customize a miniature in such a way that any part of the miniature represents the intellectual party property of any party except Lucas Films, including copyright logos, symbols, iconic elements, or other icon uh, iconography. Four. The size and pose of customized miniatures cannot interfere with gameplay. 5. The miniature must always be attached to the Star Wars X-Wing base that is the appropriate size and shape for the miniature it represents. If two or more miniatures in play could potentially touch, players may remove the miniature from the plastic plague until the conflict is resolved. And number 6. Each ship card has a ship type centered at the bottom of the card. Players may use Star Wars, any Star Wars X-Wing miniature that represents the same ship type as the pilot in their squad, so long as it is easily recognizable as the ship it represents and has the appropriate ship token fitted in its ship space. Example, the customized YT-1300 light freighter miniature may be used to represent a scavenge YT-1300 if the escape piece is removed and the appropriate ship token is fitted to the ship's base. Okay, that's all stuff that we pretty much knew, but um, if you didn't, hopefully you, you learned something. All right, next one, cards. A player must have at the table all the ship cards, upgrade cards, and condition cards included in their squad list. Proxies of cards are not allowed. Important. Dice. Players must use official Star Wars X-Wing dice. This includes the dice found in the core box, dice expansions, and or promotional material distributed by Asmodee North America. Players may not use replacement dice. All right, this is for official events. So, you know, keep, keep that in mind. All right, measuring tools. Players are required to bring their own set of measuring tools. This includes both range rulers and maneuver tools. Players are never allowed to modify their measure, measuring tools, but may replace them. Players using substitutions must check with the, the event organizer before the event begins so the tools can be verified as being the correct size and shape. Players may not use measuring devices that do not have an equivalent tool supplied by Atomic Mass Games. All right, components. There are two types of components in Star Wars X-Wing, essential and non-essential. Essential components are ship bases, obstacles, devices, and tools. These components have a specific size and are supplied with the ships or cards that require them. Non-essential components are tokens, markers, shields and charges, turret arc indicators, and ship IDs. Players are never allowed to modify their essential components, but may replace them. 
Players using substitutions should check with the event organizer before the event begins so that tokens can be verified as being the correct size and shape. Players may modify or replace non-essential components as long as the tokens used are clear and do not interfere with gameplay. Squad lists. A player must submit a squad list to the event organizer before the event begins and may not change their squad list once the event begins. A squad list is built as described on page 20 of the Star Wars X-Wing rules reference, which can be found at or on their website. When building their squad list, players need to be aware of whether the event is a standard event or an extended event. In a standard event, squad lists may only use ships and upgrades that are available in the standard format. In an extended event, squad lists may use any ships or upgrades that are available in the extended format. The points document, which can be found on their website, detail which cards and upgrades are allowed in each format. When playing in a standard event, the player must use the standard ban list and restricted list, which can be found on their website. Sportsmanship. Now, this is this is a topic that I think is really important, so I wanna, I'm going to spend a little bit extra time in here. Okay, so sportsmanship. All players are expected to act in a civil manner during the event. Disputes and disagreements will happen during games, but players should always remain respectful of other players. Event organizers and the space they are playing in. Should a dispute or argument arise, the players should immediately call for a marshal to help resolve the issue. Star Wars X-Wing has both open and hidden information. Ship cards, upgrade cards, destroyed ships, active spent shields, active spent charges, and discarded damage cards, cards are open information. Players can always request to see ship cards, upgrade cards, and discarded damage cards before both both before and during the game. Players should never attempt to obscure or mislead their opponent about any open information. Okay, so... Like, this is... Any, any cards that have been... Damage cards that have been discarded... Uh, upgrade cards, anything like that. Um, if your opponent is trying to office obscure or uh, hide that information, call a judge. Like that's simple. That's as simple as that. Uh, it's open information. Now there is some hidden information, but um, if there's any question, just call a judge. All right. Missed opportunities. This is important. Players are expected to follow the game rules. Remembering to perform actions and use card effects when indicated. It is each player's responsibility to maintain a proper game state and to ensure that all mandatory abilities and game states steps are acknowledged. If a player forgets to use an effect during the timing specified by that effect, they cannot retroactively use it. Players are expected to refrain from intentionally distracting or rushing an opponent with the intent of forcing a missed opportunity. Okay, so so two two notes on that that I um, that I want to have. The first one is um, there's there's that window, right? That you can use a certain event, and if you forget, you forget, and 
Yes, you can talk to your opponent and say, hey, I forgot this, do you mind? Um, But it's better and more sporting to not put your opponent in that position. If you forget a trigger, you forgot a trigger. It is what it is. The second one is not rushing your opponent or um, anything that might um, force a missed opportunity. Um, It's incredibly sporting to, when you're playing a match, to be, hey, do you want to use that trigger? Um, I've done that in some games. I've also not done that, um, depending on the level of play. Now, Worlds, it's expected you're playing against top-tier players, but, you know, honestly, it, it really comes down to to how much you really want to win. And I know that that sounds strange, but hear, hear me out for a second. What I mean by that is um, you could see a missed opportunity happen and you can keep quiet about it. That's fully within your right and there's nothing unsporting about that. But if you win that game, are you okay with winning the game knowing your opponent didn't play their best? That's a question only you can answer. And, you know, sometimes, as I said, sometimes I don't say anything. Other times I do. Um, I don't really have a rhyme or reason to it. But um, it kind of leads me back to a movie quote. Um, And it's um, from Cool Runnings. And it's John Candy's character who is talking about, you know, he was asked why he cheated to win a gold medal. And one of the things he said was, if you're never enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And I try to keep that in mind um, in playing a competitive game because, I mean, I want to win just like everyone else, but am I enough without it is the question that I ask myself uh, regularly when I'm playing. And that's usually the times that I'll try to point out miss opportunities if I catch them. Right. I don't always do that, so please don't don't think I'm I'm hold, trying to hold you to a standard I don't follow myself. Um, I don't always know the reasons why I don't um, do that, but it, it's there. You don't have to say anything, but it's always more sporting if you do. All right. Next subject: margin of error. Objects are sometimes moved accidentally or placed inexactly during the normal course of the game. This is acceptable within a reasonable margin. Players must not abuse this margin of error, however, and they must use the components included with the game to help them be as accurate as possible. If a player feels their opponent is abusing this margin of error or if they need to make a particularly difficult movement, they should call a marshal for assistance before moving any miniatures. So, and we've all we've all had the game where just everything's in the scrum, and sometimes it doesn't matter if you're you're moving stuff around. Other times it does. If there's any question or concern, call the judge. Right. That's that's basically what that's saying. All right. And then the last topic that we'll read: unsportsmanlike conduct. 
Players who do not behave in a civil and respectful manner can be ejected from the event or issued a warning at the discretion of the marshal or the event organizer. Examples of unsportsmanlike conduct include, but are not limited to, treating other players, marshals, organizers, or spectators disrespectfully, intentionally attempting to mislead your opponent, a marshal, or the organizer, intentionally disrupting the placement of miniatures, terrains, and or tokens on the table, and quickly removing dice from the table before your opponent can verify your roll. Um, I think all of that's pretty self-explanatory um, and, and kind of falls into the, the a more simple rule that uh, a friend of mine calls, don't be a D, right? Don't be a phallic. Um, be a good player, be sportsman-like, uh, have good sportsmanship, and um, <laughs> yeah, just just don't be a phallic. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. If you've made it this far, thank you much for your time. Please consider leaving a review however you consume this podcast. It really means a lot to me, and I read every one. If you're a patron, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This podcast would not exist without your support. As you know, I like to end every episode with a question, and this week's question is, would you like me to continue reading from Tournament Regulations? This is Sailor Joe, signing off. Let the past start.